<laughs> okay, everybody. I hope this mic is going here. I'll zip up so I can keep the mic closer to my chin. There we go. Okay. I'm glad to see so many people at the best backup class ever. And that is the official title. That's even how I spell it. It's not on the board. Okay, so those of you who have been to my classes the last couple of years know I am absolutely zero for PowerPoints and vanity slides and all that. So you're just going to have to take my word for it. I'm qualified to teach this class. No, seriously. Um, I'm Sean McCown. I'm an MVP and a newly minted MCM. No, just kidding. I'm, it sounded good for it sounded good for one second though, didn't it? I know I should have always gone to, but I'm running late. My comedic timing is crunched. Okay, so this class is going to be hopefully a, a six-month session, uh, a progressive session on backup and restore. <clears throat> and hopefully, I'm going to be able to live up to the title. I'm going to teach things a little bit differently than you've ever had in any backup class before. I'm not going to just give you backup syntax and show you demos. Of course, I'm going to show you demos and I'm going to give you syntax, but I'm also going to explain the syntax why things are done the way they are, why you should care about them. And we're going to get into a lot of stuff on <clears throat> in different areas. Uh, <clears throat> everything from basic backup and restore syntax to uh, <clears throat> putting together and running an entire enterprise backup solution, uh, specialized backups like system level restores, uh, system databases, uh, restore where it's where uh, uh, things like uh, replication are concerned, all of the different places that you use backup and restore, we're hopefully going to cover. We're going to try at least, right? Now, in this first class, I wasn't really going to do a, a, a lot of demos, especially with like the basic syntax, because I think a lot of people here know the basic syntax. But when I found out that Tom LaRock was coming, I figured I'd better. So, yeah, look at him over there. So, one of the pieces of swag I have is. DBA survivor, become a SQL rock star. I will be happy to sign this for you. <laughs> so, okay. Um, <coughs> still getting over that cough. Those of you that watch the show, I'm going to keep it for like six months. Um, okay, one of the things that you're not going to see here, or I'll say the biggest thing that you're not going to see here, you're not going to see anything at all done in the GUI. Backups are not meant to be done in GUIs. They're not meant to be done in maintenance plans, right? We're not going to talk about maintenance plans except the fact that don't ever use a maintenance plan. There. Um, but backups aren't supposed to be done in GUIs. There are so many things that you can't do in the GUI. You can't schedule it. You can't do advanced type restores. And one of the things that you don't want to happen, or the biggest thing you don't want to happen when you're under the gun for a restore is to figure out that you can't do it in the GUI and then go, I have to learn the command line syntax to get it done, right? So if you work with the command line syntax from the get-go, you'll always be happy and all you got to do is learn a little extra flag to get what you need to do, and right? So <coughs> no GUIs. Um, let's see. I'm going to also skip why you should back up. If there's anybody in, am I, am I falling off my lapel wagon here? I'll just hold it like a lounge singer, I guess. Um, if there's anybody in here that doesn't have any idea why you need to back up, raise your hand. Okay, I bought that. <coughs> That's Mark Seuss, everybody, the head of the CAT team. Doesn't. I'm only announcing that. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. You don't know anything about backup anymore. <laughs> 
I was wondering who the first one was going to be to yell, to the cloud. <clears throat> and you know, I'm only talking to you and calling you out by name because I'm recording this for the website. So <laughs> my little form of name dropping. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So OK, let's go ahead and get into this. Um, <clears throat> there are a few things that you need to consider before, <clears throat> before you set up backups. And I wish I had slides for you guys to look at, but you can look at the different things I've got on my desktop. It's entertaining enough. Um, I, w I was actually going to put something really entertaining on there for you guys to look at, but yeah, I ran out of time. I barely got the class written in time. Right, Kishore? Yeah. <coughs> so uh, uh, yeah, this guy down here in the front, he's actually one of the unfortunate ones that has to work with me. <coughs> so one thing that I hope to impress on you guys is that backup and restore is not backup and restore. It is not backup to a file, restore from a file. Backup and restore is an entire process. It's a life cycle, okay? Um, <clears throat> all of the things that you do with backups, uh, let's see, I've got them written down, actually, some of the things that you, that you do with backups. First, you take the backup, then hopefully you validate it some way, right? Hopefully on another system and actually do a test restore because you don't have a backup until you have a restore, right? Um, then maybe you send it to a tape for storage. Maybe you send it to a vendor to do some data troubleshooting. We do that all the time, right? You zip it up and send it to a vendor. Maybe you send it to a test box. Maybe you send it to a, a QA box. Maybe you send it to some other box and scrub it and then use it for training, right? Maybe you uh, uh, restore it over here for replication. Maybe you restore it over here for database mirroring. There are all types of things that you do with backups. It's not just send data to a file and then forget about it and hope that you never have to use it. Even if you don't ever have to actually restore your backups for a disaster, you have to restore your backups all the time. Okay? So backup and restore is a life cycle. It's not just a dumb, a dumb copy and a dumb restore, right? So that that's I've been trying to get even the backup vendors like uh, Quest with Lightspeed and those guys to to realize that and to start putting some of those features to help us manage that life cycle on their products. And so far, it's just been like going in one ear and out the other. Is anybody from Quest here? <laughs> <clears throat> so, okay. <clears throat> I would say uh, I've got some other stuff to talk about, but since we're running late, let's go ahead and get into some demos, shall we? We'll get into some basic demos. Now, <clears throat> I kept these as basic as I could for Tom. So I'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm just gonna dig every chance I get, right? <clears throat> so, okay, the basic backup statement, backup, database, database name, to disk equals within it and format. <clears throat> Notice it doesn't say full anywhere because that's the default. You don't have to tell it it's a full backup. If it doesn't say anything, it's full. <clears throat> so I think everybody has a good grasp of this basic syntax, right? <clears throat> I don't have to run this, right? I actually started doing this class on a much larger database, and it was taking like seven minutes to back up, and I was like, oh, God, seven minutes between... I can't fill in that much time waiting for a backup, right? So this one takes like, I don't know, 15, 17 seconds, but something like that. Speed. Yeah, well, you know. <clears throat> so <clears throat> the important flags that you need to know at this point, and I, and I stress at this point, are in it and format. So if you, <clears throat> if you take a backup without the init command, and it stands for initialize, then it will keep tacking on the backup files inside of that file, and you'll have to manage that, right? So you'll have to call the appropriate backup file. You'll have to open it up, open up the header. You don't have to look at all those backups <coughs> stacked up inside of there, right? So it's basically, 
Uh, without in it, it basically means append, right? <clears throat> I've seen people do this. Um, is there anybody in here that actually does that? Does anybody actually append like their log file backups? That's the, that's the biggest one I've seen. I've, I've seen it done two ways. I've seen people append log file backups, and I've seen them append all of the log backups that go with the full backup. I've seen them do the full and all the logs in a single file. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you what I've seen, dude. I'm not, I see what you're looking at me like. But <clears throat> so does anybody here append backups? Really? Good. Because it's, I don't know why that feature is even still there. I suppose, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost me anything to keep it in there, but it's basically worthless, right? So every time you take a backup, use in it. Oh, that's the little SQL prompt there. Is there anybody there from Redgate? Because I'd like this to go away. <laughs> now, format is a very interesting flag as well, <clears throat> or it's actually more interesting than in it. And I'll tell you a little story. A few years ago, when I started tacking on the format flag to my, uh, to my backup commands, we had a backup that failed in the middle of the night, and we couldn't back up that database again. I kept running the backup job, and it kept failing. No matter what I did, it kept failing. And it was giving me some kind of file error, and I couldn't. And it, and it was kind of a vague file error that didn't really lead anywhere. <clears throat> And as it turns out, what happens is when you overwrite a backup file within it, it does not rewrite the header. Okay? <clears throat> so, and, and I'll show you this right here. I swear to God, this is a real working demo. It's going to work. <coughs> so I'm taking, yeah, I know. So I'm taking an initial backup here. I can't tell how long it's been going because uh, my SQL prompt thing won't quit uh, fetching information from master. Okay, good. So now if I try to if I try to back up to the same oops, sorry. If I try to back up to the same file, now the cool thing is 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 when I go to, when I switch to two files now, that one that backup file that's there now was formatted for a single file. So if I try to back it up to two files, it should blow up on me. I say should instead of will, right? Because the way demos go. There we go. So it was formatted for one media family, and I fed it two media families because it wasn't reformatted, even though I reinitialized the file. So if I add that format command, you see it'll go. Okay, so. That's why I always say you have to use in it and format, <clears throat> even if it's a backup routine that you run all the time and every single night and it's the same number of files and it's going to the same location, right? If it fails, it can fail in a way that causes that header to not be written fully, right? Or something in there corrupted and if, it, and if you don't tell it to recreate the header, it's going to blow up again until you, until you reformat that file or delete it, right? So there we go. I would really love that SQL prompt thing to go away. Well, I have. See, and it's not doing anything. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to slow my roll yet. <clears throat> okay, so backup devices. Backup devices. One of those things that have kind of been my peeves for a long time. I'm trying to close all these things. Give myself some real estate. <clears throat> does anybody in here use backup devices when they? Tom does. Of course he does. <laughs> No, seriously, does anybody here back up to backup devices? Do you seriously? We did, yeah. Okay. For a uh, multi-state solution, uh, 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? Hey, I've got I've got four side base boxes in my shop, so. Okay. Excellent. <coughs> so in general, um, I don't think devices are worth what they're worth worth the the headache that they are to manage. Um, does everybody here know what a backup device is? It's when you well, see, I've already closed all those windows now. Do you want me to show you what a backup device is, or does everybody trust me? I mean, does everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, good, because I didn't want to have to open that thing back up again. <coughs> so a backup device is basically a one-to-one a one -one mapping that gives you a friendly name, the same thing that we do for the, the logical file names and the physical file names for the database files, right? So the problem with devices is that if you want to write to the same file every night, that's fine if you're just overwriting that file every night. But if you're keeping a history like most of us do of two or three nights on disk, we'll look at all the look at all the backup uh, look at all the backup devices you have to keep, right? And if you've got striped backups and you're keeping it to five or fifteen or twenty backup files, and you've got a hundred databases on your server, I can't even imagine what the what the the device list would look like for something like that. It would be humongous, right? <coughs> so. And, I, and I've got all these notes in here. I'll send these guys out to the, to the class. I'll send this file out, and it's got full explanations of absolutely everything. But it's, it's really cumbersome. I mean, it seems like a good idea, right? I can just back up to this device right here. And that's mapped to, you know, aw.back in my, in my backup folder, right? So as soon as that finishes, boom. You can create a device. You can create a device. Uh, through SP or you can do it through right there just completed it right and then I can turn around and use it I can query them now this is the only advantage I see to using backup devices <coughs> and that's how easy it is to see where your backup files are because otherwise you have to go into the system tables and it's just got it in one of the columns right in one of the backup history columns um, and so it's kind of hard to find out where your databases are being backed up otherwise unless somebody takes an out-of-cycle backup, in which case that the device isn't going to really help you if they don't use it, right? So if somebody doesn't know about devices or doesn't know that you're using them, then this isn't going to do you any good if they type in the file name. So if you want to have dynamic file names, you can still use devices, but unfortunately you're going to have to make all of this dynamic code and map this to a dynamic file down here, and then you're going to have to delete the files you're going to have to delete the devices and so on and so on. So it's, it's just a lot easier to, to work with the files themselves like this, right, to just back up directly to a file path. Um, as far as being able to tell where your files are, because like I said, this is a really nice way to do that, I'm going to show you in another couple, three classes a really elegant way to do this. Elsewise, it's going to blow this out of the water. Um, and it, it, it's going to make it a more manageable enterprise solution. So even though I'm presenting this as a, as a plus for database devices, notice I said for and not fur. I'm working on that. Um, oh, and by the way, I've got my uh, suck-up swag up here. So anybody that wants to just burst out laughing loud at anything I say, um, <laughs> there you go. Um, I've, got some, I've got two transcenders. Uh, I've got a, uh, uh, the practice exam vouchers. And one of them has a training kit with it. And then I've got a whole bunch of books over here, and I've got the, the DBA Survivor doorstop. So. <laughs>
They just they just keep coming, don't they? <laughs> I like that. You get a book. See how easy that is? Just don't heckle me and you're fine. <coughs> okay, so you can also delete the device and if you pass it the, the Dell file, oh, you can have one of those too, I suppose. If you pass it the Dell file, it'll also delete the file. There we go. Okay, moving right along, Fuzzy. Now, file names and extensions. I love this section. <coughs> this is one of those things that uh, I've, I've had debates with Paul Randall about and he's just not that fond of this, and it's okay. I mean, I don't use it all the time, but it can be good every now and then to play with extensions. When you have a, a backup file, everybody uses .back or .diff or .trn, right? But you don't even have to have a, a backup. You don't even have to have a file extension, right? Um, <clears throat> just like with your database files, you don't have to have LDF and MDF and NDF. You don't have to have a file extension at all, right? If you create it by hand, you don't have to pass it one at all. It, it sucks to not have one because you don't know which one's your primary file. <coughs> but at my last job, I had a database with 70, 80 something files in it and most of them didn't have extensions. So I was just completely lost as to what was a log file and what was the thing. So it really sucks to manage something like that, but it's not necessary. So anyway, you can have dot back. You can have dot my best backup ever. You can have no extension at all. You can use them for something really interesting like uh, <clears throat> archiving, right? So archive, do not delete. And this is interesting, and, I, and I'm trying to remember now why I put the go3 in there, but. I'm sorry? <coughs> OK. So the question is, in, this, in, in these backup lines, why is the database name in square brackets? <clears throat> Officially, it doesn't have to be there, but you can put the database name in brackets the same way you do column names or any other object in case it has spaces in the name. So if the database were adventure space works, then it would still pick it up. Without that, it would see backup database adventure, and then it would take works as a flag, and it would give you a syntax error. Fair enough? Yeah. So, I'm going to show you what that looks like, I hope. Wow. You take one backup and the thing just drags. There we go. My backups. Okay, now, you can see here in the file type, it ends up as archive, do not delete. <clears throat> not super, super, super useful, but the, when, I, when I started doing this, I was in a place that, where we had a, a knock. We had a 24-7 knock, and these guys, <clears throat> and that's a network operations center for those of you don't, not a, the, that are used to different uh, and acronyms. Acronyms. And these guys would go in boxes onto boxes when they were running low on space and just start deleting files willy-nilly without asking anybody because they had to reclaim space <coughs> and to, to make the patrol alerts turn off, right? So I got used to doing stuff like archive, do not delete, and they got the hint. It's also, it's also nice to uh, 
if you're doing stuff in code in like PowerShell and you want to make sure that you don't delete certain files, give them a file extension like that and then you can look for everything that's not that, right? Um, or you can use it to, uh, to send messages to lesser DBAs. Uh, like do not restore to dev systems, right? So if you've got sensitive data in a particular database, it would be pretty hard for somebody to ignore this and accidentally restore it to a dev system, right? I mean, yeah, I know it. Only someone of my caliber would ignore that. And funny thing is I do everything in, in pre-done code, so I could very easily ignore that and just take the, the latest file and just move. But yes. Right. Is there an attribute in the MSDB where I can tell people, say, you know, check, make sure that what the type is and don't make a mistake? No, you would have to do a, uh, right. uh, you, you would have to do a, a full text search on that, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, a string search. No, it, MSDB doesn't care about that kind of stuff. <coughs> but most of the time, uh, when, when, when people are doing restores, they're not digging through MSDB to find the file name. They just go to a file location that they know where it's being backed up and they look at the latest file. Am I, am I right? Does anybody, does anybody go out of their way to mine MSDB for the latest backup file? I mean, it's possible, but I don't. Might look up the location. Yeah, you might look up the location. Then you go physically and see what files are there. Because the problem with MSDB <coughs> is it tells you where the files were, where the last backup was, but it doesn't tell you if the file's there. Right, so you always end up going to the file system anyway, right? So, I'm sorry. Yeah, but somebody could have come in and somebody could have come in and deleted that from under you, right? Somebody could have written written, oh, I don't know, a test process to delete files in PowerShell and accidentally waxed everything in the folder. Now. You could, also, you could also write yourself notes, right? I took this back up because I know the developer is an idiot and will screw up his upgrade. <coughs> so everybody knows exactly what this backup is for. You know how you get, you know how when you, those pre-upgrade backups that they always say, hey, we're about to run an upgrade and I need you to take a backup real quick. I just quiesced the database, right? And so you're always trying to figure out what to name that backup. Let's see, do I give it a date? No, I really want it to be, so it's a pre-upgrade, but then I need to know the version, then you know the date, so it's, well, you know, so you, you kind of, you try to work out this, this naming convention that, <coughs> that will tell you not only was it pre-upgrade, but which upgrade it was and what date it was, so because you're going to forget about it. So when you come back in three months and you need to delete it, you know exactly what it was for and you can delete it and all of that stuff, right? Well, this kind of circumvents all of that and just gives you a nice, file name to you right you can put all that information in there but uh <coughs> so anyway i like that one um like i said paul randall he's not a, a huge actually i'm going to run that one just because i like it paul paul isn't a, a huge proponent of of my uh of my uh, backup file naming schemes but you know he's one of those old guys you know he still runs windows xp See, that's funny because this is XP. Okay, so, and I'll show you what that looks like because I just think it's fun. Look at that. 
I love that. That's great. And and you also notice that there's a there's a, a limit too, right? I had no idea that there was an extension limit, but apparently it's that many characters. <coughs> okay, moving on. Which could be important too, because if you try and restore and you restore throughout the whole length, will it restore correctly? If it truncated it off at a certain length of, and you said restore from blah blah blah. Yeah, past the length. Um. Yeah, no, you would probably have to cut it off in the same spot. I guess the question is, what does MSDB store? What does MSDB store? That's a good question because I don't. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't actually use MSDB for that, so that's a good question. Yeah, let somebody uh, do a book report on that. I remember now why I put those in there. Why I put the Go threes in there because I was I was showing you that uh, they don't have in it, so it was going to append those files every time. Aha. I was going to show you how the files grew every time. Yeah, I know, right? Now, the default backup location. This is cool. A lot of people don't know this, but you don't actually have to append, you don't actually have to put the full path name to your backup file because you have a default backup location. And, it, and it's the default backup location for a reason. When you run a backup, it's the default location, right? So you don't have to tell it a location. I can just give it a file name. And it says AW no path. Are those per database? And there's AW no path. Is what per database? The, the, the location, the default fax location is per database on the server. No, it's per server. Per server. Yeah. You set that one up when you set up SQL. Yeah, yeah. You define the default backup location when you set up SQL, right? So I could use UNC paths here, but I'm not on a network. So, <clears throat> but yes, you can use UNC paths as well. You can even use backup devices to UNC paths. I don't know if you can make the default location a UNC path, but I don't know why not. I've never tried it, but I don't know why not. It doesn't check it until you actually go to run the backup, so it's not like an SP where it checks that the path exists, right? It just puts what it, it just puts what's in there, right, and goes on. <clears throat> so if you want to change the path, oh, see, now i got to go in here, uh, Object Explorer. If we want to change the path, you can right-click on the host, go to Properties. Nope, not Properties. Sorry. I know that. <laughs> and the only problem is, there it is, is I can't find it. And this is in SQL 08 and in 05. I believe it's probably the same. And in 2000, I believe it is in the Properties pane in 2000. But... But I'd have to, I'd have to check that. Well, you you got to be able to change your backup your your default path in 2000. <clears throat> and I think I remember seeing it being one of the on one of the windows in the property pane. But but anyway. I'm sorry. <coughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, you can do it in the registry. But <clears throat> yeah, I know, right? Um, Touche. You want a book? Because that was worth it. <coughs> For those of you at home, he says, I thought you weren't going to use the GUI. <laughs> okay, so it's uh, server settings, I believe. And right here, backup directory. And you can change it right there. So <clears throat> that's how you change that there. And I don't know if there's a way other than going directly to the registry. I, I, don't, I don't know. I've never tried it. You do it so seldomly, right? I'm sorry? Hey, Mark, do you know? Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> Very difficult path, 
<laughs> okay. <clears throat> Oops. I haven't signed it. <clears throat> now, I blew through these pretty. How? When do I have to be done? Seven twenty. Seven twenty. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we blew through all that pretty fast. Um. Does anybody have any questions or comments or anything before we move on? Good. Does that mean I'm that good or everybody is that asleep? Um, okay, fair enough. <coughs> okay, since we covered some of the basics um, and I explained them so expertly that nobody has any questions, I wanted even the experienced guys here to leave with something. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you guys the basics of tuning because one of the things I find, one of the, the biggest things I find is that everybody just leaves the default settings for their backups and they just do nothing but complain about their backups and then they uh, buy third-party solutions to fix the speed of their backups and that doesn't work either and they probably leave those at the default settings as well. I got a call from my old DBA at my last gig just a couple days ago. Actually it was uh, yesterday, wasn't it yesterday? Well, you hear me talking on the phone. <coughs> so, <coughs> telling me that his his database of a terabyte and a half was taking eight eight and a half hours to back up. Oh my God, really? Eight and a half hours to back up a terabyte and a half? That's ridiculous, right? And even in my current gig, when I got here, it was taking like two two and a half hours to back up a database that's like three quarters of a terabyte. So. <coughs> Nobody had ever bothered tuning the backups. <coughs> backups are meant by default to take as few system resources as it can, right? I mean, it's supposed to be fairly non-disruptive, right? Aside from all of the, aside from all of the exclusive locks and everything it holds on the table, right? Wink, 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 wink. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said that specifically for Paul in case he ever listens to this. <coughs> yeah, I'm holding my breath on that, right? So <clears throat> there are some, uh, there's some things that you can do to tune your backups. I think I'm going to give you three or four of them today. And hopefully even some of you seasoned guys will actually pick up a little tiny trick or two here. <clears throat> the first one is going to be the max transfer size. This is how much data you're writing to the disk at once. It goes in uh, 64K chunks. The default is one meg. And the report, when you, when, you, when you see the report, and I'll show you the report in a, in a few minutes, <coughs> the report gives it to you as one meg or two megs or four megs. It doesn't give it to you in bytes, but you have to specify it in bytes, okay? So I, here I've given it to you in one byte, two bytes, two bytes plus 64, and then four bytes right here. So if I just back up my database there. <coughs> now, don't expect this backup to run really any faster. This box is way too small with way too few resources and way too old to really even get any improvement out of this. It's on an old 5400 speed hard drive. It's only got, you know, two or three gigs of RAM. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty poor box, so there's not much I can do. I can only show you the syntax and then say, go play with it yourself, right? Come on, really? No, that's what she says? Come on, you guys are asleep. Okay, so I did that one. <clears throat> the sec Do what? She said no syntax. Yeah. 
Um, no, I didn't. I didn't say no syntax. I said I wasn't going to do any syntax, but then Tom was here. <clears throat> the second one is buffer count. And we're not going to get into this a lot in this class. I'm going to hopefully dedicate an entire class or half a class to doing nothing but tuning backups, <coughs> depending on, what, on how much time it takes. But just know that along with max transfer size, you can also specify a buffer count. In this case, I've chosen 500. Notice I'm still using init and format as well, because I'm writing to the same file, right? Yep, I'm writing to the same file. So I'll run that one. Again, it's not going to run any faster, but it ordinarily would. And these are things you can do right away, and I mean right away, to tune your backups. <clears throat> when you've got, don't put up with poor performance, okay? This is one thing <clears throat> that I'm, I've become very passionate about over the last few years. <clears throat> when you've got a database and you're trying to back it up, <clears throat> and maybe I'll spend the last few minutes uh, giving you that part of the lecture. If you've got an SLA, and I'm just going to touch on this right now, but if you've got an SLA that your database has to be up and running, you know, if you have to recover from a disaster in, say, 30 minutes or an hour, and it takes you two and a half hours to back it up, you've already blown your SLA, right? You're unprotected for that long, okay? You cannot be unprotected for that long. Mark sees this kind of stuff all the time, don't you, buddy? Absolutely. Yeah. See? That's right. Yeah, I know, right? <clears throat> So don't put up with poor performance. What is poor performance for a backup? I have no idea. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to decide that on yourself, for yourself. But I can tell you one thing. Backing up a terabyte of data in two and a half hours is not acceptable performance. Okay? You should be backing up a terabyte in 20 minutes or so, depending on your setup and everything that you do, right? <coughs> So I'll move on and I'll tell you, I'll tell you my, my most recent work story here in a minute. Um, a, lot the, a lot of these switches are not available to you through the GUI? Uh, you know, I'm going to be completely, the question was, are, are all of these switches available to, available to you through the GUI? And I'm going to be completely honest with you, dude. I haven't opened up the GUI in years. I have no idea. You don't think so? No. I don't think so. Yeah, I, got, I, I guess I could right-click, couldn't I? <laughs> You've got it up? Okay. Eric has it up, and he says it's definitely not there. Okay, he says it's definitely not there. These are good reasons for scripting, yes. Um, but I know another one that's not available in the GUI, and that's page-level restore, and we'll cover that in a couple classes as well. You know, it's always a couple, right? It may be the last class. It's always a couple. Um, That is an excellent question, and I will answer that when I get to the bottom of the screen. The question was, what's the default of buffer count? <clears throat> I have an answer for you. Unfortunately, the answer is, it depends, exactly. <coughs> so here they are both together. I'll go ahead and, well, you guys, can, you guys get the whole together thing, right? Here they are both together. I don't have to run that. You trust me that it runs? Oops. So. Not on this box. Not on this box you won't. Trust me, I've spent the better part of 30 minutes <laughs> trying to get these backups tuned on this box, and this box is just too small. I, can't, I, can, I can run all types of things, and I only, I only uh, manage to increase it by a fraction of a second. <clears throat> and it's really not that big of a deal. Yes? At what point, as you start 
That's another excellent question. The, the question was, at what point, as you increase these resources, do you start hurting yourself? And that's going to be why we're dedicating a class to that. <laughs> right now, I wanted to give the experienced people something that they can go home with, right? Um, maybe I'll make that the absolute next class. I want to get all of that really deep, fine-tuning stuff out of the way because in, like, next month, because in March, Paul and Kim are coming to speak at the user group, and I don't want to teach that in front of Paul and Kim. <laughs> I will be damned if I'm teaching something like that in front of In fact, I'm going to be covering the PowerShell portion in front of Paul and Kim. So um, the next way, so we've covered max transfer size and buffer count. The next way <clears throat> that you can... Uh, uh, improve is by striping. And oddly enough, you get minimal advantage to striping by putting them on separate drives. You do get some improvement by separating them onto different drives, but even on the same drive, <clears throat> you can get a pretty decent improvement by simply striping. And if you add all three of them, right, and again, it's not going to improve it, but I want you to see that it runs. Um, shit. Yes. Okay, so I was just told that the toad, the toad GUI by Quest has those quest options in it. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but the answer is in the question. It's called toad for a reason. I don't know. It's an acronym for something, isn't it? It used to be an, yeah, yeah. Tools for Oracle Application Development. Yeah. So Toad for SQL is just, just beyond me, right? No SQL tool should have the word Oracle in it. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's just T-sad, man. Oh, does it? <clears throat> oh, that's right. That's right, because that was my, uh, the, I, I took that out of, the, of their folder, and that was my, uh, my incoming text message tone for a long time on my BlackBerry. Every time I got a text message, run it, run it, run it. I just liked it. It was a good natural frog. I, like, I liked it. So <coughs> next, you can add compression. <coughs> right out of the gate. Yes? Why, why you get errors? Oh, I got an error. Look at that. I don't know. Let's see. Oh, insufficient resources. I told you this was a small box. <laughs> too, many, uh, too many SQL prompt things running on. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that thing is just going to go and go and go, isn't it? Maybe I will go ahead and do task manager, because it's actually starting to annoy me now. <laughs> yes, I could. I like that. Yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Exit. Smooth move. Yeah, I know, right? So anyway. <clears throat> This uh, <laughs> this class sponsored by Redgate SQL Prompt. <coughs> so okay, the one of the best things you can do, or I would say the best thing you can do if you're on uh, on SQL 08 and above, is to compress your backups. 
that will increase the speed of your backups more than anything else you can do right out of the gate, right? If you're in R2, you can do it at standard. If you're in RTM, you can only do it in enterprise. I don't make the rules, I just report them. Oh, I actually talked to that guy over there about that. He's <coughs> So, uh, I won't necessarily run this one, but you know, because it's not going to do anything. Now, one of the big hindrances to, yes? How good is the native compression compared to the third party tools? It's very good. Is it? Yeah. The, the, question, the question is, how good is the native compression compared to the third party tools like Redgate and Lightspeed right. and he who shall not be named? Uh, no, it's very good. Uh, on my database at work, I'm getting into the high 70s. Okay. The technical answer is it's faster than the default. Yes. Right. Yeah. And you know, I spent the 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 first good portion of my public career doing nothing but uh, putting the different third-party backup compression softwares to task against each other. I think. I think my, my work in that area is, is well documented and yes, yes, starting religious wars about backup compression. Um, I was, you know, fatwas if you will. <coughs> so uh, yes, uh, Lightspeed is more configurable than any of the others, but at the same time, at the same time, a lot of times you get diminishing returns. When you start getting into a lot of the upper levels of Lightspeed, you start increasing the time of your backup because you're increasing the, the compression algorithm, right? So you can increase it by say, you know, for uh, a, a one or two terabyte database, you can increase the, the time of the backup by like 20, 30 minutes and only get a couple extra meg out of it in compression. So, I mean, that's definitely a diminished return. So it's just not worth it at some point, right? So <clears throat> one, of the biggest, one of the biggest things about having to turn on something like compression <coughs> is the same thing that you have with doing something like Lightspeed or Redgate, right? And that's having to completely rewrite your backup routines because none of your backup routines have compression in them and you've got to go touch all of your backup routines. All of your, you know, when you get Lightspeed, they had that, that, uh, that app for a while that would map it. I forget what they called it. But uh, that you could use your, your native syntax and it would map it to the Lightspeed stuff anyway never worked right it was full of memory leaks and bugs and all of that stuff so when you got into the large 64-bit systems that just crapped on you but that was meant to keep you from having to go through and rewrite everything that you had to light speed syntax right well same thing here you don't want to have to go rewrite every everything you have on your server to take advantage of compression right so they've given us and this is one of the one of the best things I've seen them do in a while they've given us a backup default so in SP configure, you can set the backup compression default to one and then just reconfigure and all the backups will be compressed no matter what. That's, I love that, that's great, right? What, no applause? Really, come on guys. There you go, there you go. You can still specify and turn it off, right? You have to turn it off at SP configure. There, is, there isn't a flag that says don't compress. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So, okay. Um, what about uh, backing up compressed? <coughs> well, you don't get much extra because it's already compressed, right? You don't get much extra. Um, but, and, and again, it depends on the data, right? But since, since it's already got a lot of compression wrapped around it, yes? Well, yeah, but the, the, the testing that I've done, even in, in my current shop, where I, I didn't get enough bang for that buck to, to really matter. Uh, I don't know if there's a downside. No, there's not a downside. And you get a little bit more, so what's the downside? I happen to see that same thing and also heard where it didn't matter, that you didn't get a double benefit. I won't say where I heard it, although I was at the MTC in Waltham. But <laughs> uh, I believed it, so when I actually blogged about it, I managed to get corrected by Kalen and Aaron Bertrand. Kayla was nice to tell me, obviously, I hadn't read her book, but yeah, you can get a benefit from doing data compression and that. You, you can get a benefit from it, but it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to have data compression and then turn around and get an extra 70%, you know, an extra 40%, right? It's going to be small, You can but, but you can get it, right. You are compressing between pages now versus... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes? My experience with uh, compression <coughs> in 2008 is that it does the process like in two caches. They do a full backup and then it compresses that. Ah. So you actually need full space of the backup. I love that question. I love that comment. We are going to talk more in depth about compression. That's actually not what it does. Okay? We are gonna act, we we are gonna talk about that, and I, I love that. I was hoping somebody would bring that up, but no, that's not what it does. That's just what it appears it does. <clears throat> it it does it all in flow, right, right. But no, that's not that's not actually what it does. Those of us with terribly denormalized <clears throat> databases with repeated information over and over and over again, would we likely get a higher than seventy percent uh, backup rate? You no, you would get you would you would get more from row or page compression for that than you would. It still relies on the nature of your data, okay. right? But just because you happen to have a lot of data that repeats a lot, if it's data that doesn't compress well to begin with? It's not, but... <clears throat> but you see what I'm saying. Right, but just because, your data is, just because your data is unnormalized and it repeats a lot, you would get a lot higher compression from that out of... Uh, out of like rower page level. Okay. Yeah. John, do you, do you get significant uh, speed on a solid state drive when you do compression? Because that's not so much your bottleneck anymore. Do you know? <coughs> Mark? I love my tires. I've, I've never backed up to a solid state drive. They're too expensive. <coughs> I'm sorry? Good, then we can talk about them. Yeah, it can't hurt, but I've, I've never backed up. Yeah, I've never, I don't know. But yeah, like they say, it can't hurt. I'm sorry? Sure, sure, I can see that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, now you're really putting your money where your mouth is, right? When you say that we have to have this done in a certain time, now you're really... 
best in my experience, the way it seems to run longer, restoring from a compressed backup than from a regular backup. Okay. Okay. Oh. Regardless of the source. Right. Right. Okay, so the question earlier was what is the default? Am I there yet? Okay. Is what is the default buffer count? How do I know what the default is so I know what to set it at, right? <coughs> the answer, of course, is it depends. And I just realized I didn't put the line in there that I need to, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break Buck's golden rule and type in a demo and hope I remember what this is. So... Uh, that uh, 3604 3213 I think so with trace lag 3213 uh, and 3604 just tells it to send the output to the client right so I can see it instead of 3605 which will send it to the log we'll talk about that when we do the full tuning class but 3213 will give you your uh, buffer information when the backup completes so if I turn that, oh, I'll just turn it on here. Notice how I have the buffer count turned off? If I come here, and I've got a syntax error. Oh, I see. No, that last. Right there. <coughs> and the multiple files are where you're striping it? Right, right. <coughs> yeah, I, I think I skipped past that portion of the syntax. Now, you see, that was a compressed backup, and you see how it did go faster than the others, right? Because I'm actually writing less to my 5400-speed drive here. Um, so when you're, when you're doing striped backups, you just say disk equals, disk equals, disk equals, disk equals. And, of course, they all have to be different file names, right? You can't, write to, you can't have six streams writing to the same file at once. That doesn't, right? Okay, so when I use 3213, I get my buffer count. Buffer count was 32 in this case, right? I get some other stuff. Tells me how much memory I was using for it, right? Tells me my, uh, tells me my media buffer size, all that other good stuff. Now, what is the so that means that the default is 32, right? Well, not really. If I say do only two of these. Maybe I should have commented that out instead. But if I do only two of these, I wonder what I'll get. <coughs> I know. Real quick, we got an answer on the solid state drive from Paul Randall. He says, yes, you will get an increase, plus you'll increase the lifetime of the solid state drive and reduce restore times. Oh, there you go. So this time the buffer count was only 12. That's why it depends, because it, de it, it relies on a couple different factors, and one of them being the number of files that you're, that you're striping to, okay? If I went down to only one, it would probably be less than 10. That's just a guess, but it would probably be less than 10. But that's a really good point. When you're playing with buffer count, and, and <laughs> the funny thing is, is several years ago, when I first started playing with buffer count, uh, I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting... Uh, and in, everybody always says if you, if you increase the buffers, you increase the speed of the backup. And I couldn't figure out why I was increasing my buffers and I wasn't getting any speed. In fact, it was getting worse. And I couldn't figure it out because it was already using like 100 buffers and I was increasing it to 50. 
right? I was slowly creeping it up to 50. But when I took that out of there and then finally learned how to do that, I figured out that it was using 100. I was like, oh, ha, increased to 200. Boy, it increased the speed of my backups like, like mad, right? What exactly <coughs> is a buffer Exactly how to explain that? I'm going to have to think about that. Okay? It's a philosophical question. It's a philosophical question. Okay? Yeah, um, the, the CSS SQL Server Engineers has a blog post about it. Oh, really? Uh, if you search for uh, SQL Server Backup Buffer Exchange, the VDI focus is the exact title. Oh, there you go. It's probably written by one of his guys. So. One last thing, because I'm I've only got two minutes. Tom, are you warming are you warming your stuff up over there? I've only got two minutes left here. <laughs> I realized that didn't tell you for what. <coughs> the last thing I'm going to leave you experienced guys with, and we're going to talk more about this, is the null device. And the null device is a way for you to get oh let's call it <coughs> the nirvana of backup speed. Okay. This is what your gold standard is going to be. A null device, and like I said, we're going to talk about this more when we, when we have the, the tuning class itself. But the null device itself is a virtual device. It's an operating system device. It's been around since DOS. Uh, it, it's just an operating, it's a virtual device that goes nowhere. What happens is SQL backs up to the null file, to the null device right there, passes it off to the OS, the OS just dumps it, gets rid of it, doesn't actually perform a write, it just does it, but it, but it, sends, the, it, it sends the write back to SQL and says it, it wrote okay, right? So you're not actually performing the write. But what you're going to get out of this, actually let me, uh, yeah, I can do that. I'm sorry? Yes, because as far as SQL knows, it actually performed the write. Yeah. And we're going to talk about we're going to we're going to talk about null backup devices and log backups and how it can affect your log backups as well and and when you would want to use a null device and a log backup uh, as opposed to actually saving it and when you would want to do like a truncate only instead which you can't do now so switching it to simple mode and back right so there are two different ways you can truncate your log now this being one of them and we're going to talk about in a later class why you would ever choose to do something like null instead of uh, instead of switching to simple mode. So if I run this backup to the null device, nothing's going to be written. There is no such thing. There is no such file, right? But what it is going to give me, ah, see here, i got a buffer count of 7. What it's going to give me is 29.552 megs per second. <coughs> that is going to be your gold standard. You want your real written backups to get as close to this number as you can. Okay, that's how you know <coughs> how fast can my backups be? They can be that fast. You're basically testing the read speed of the database, right? <coughs> so, like I said, we'll talk more about that when we get into the, uh, the real backup, I mean the real backup class, not this fake one, when we get into the, into the real tuning session, and we're going we're gonna to dig into this fully, but I just wanted you guys to know that, that as long as you're doing this, you could see your goal is to see how close you can get to this number. On my system at work, and I'm going to leave you with this. On my system at work, when I got there, 
they were backing up at about <coughs> 70, 80 megs a second, and it was taking quite a while. After increasing, now I'm on a big system, right? I'm on a 96 core, half a terabyte of RAM on huge DMX drives, but I'm only backing up to tier three, so it's tier three shared. So they're fairly slow drives, and they're shared, so they're not dedicated I.O. or anything. And I've taken it down from like two and a half hours to about 16 minutes. And I did it by increasing the buffers to 3,000, uh, doing a max transfer size of four megs, which was our sweet spot. And <coughs> um, now I'm writing close and compressing, of course, and uh, striping to 20 files. And now I'm writing closer to, I think it's around 580 or 620 megs a second. So there's a huge difference in the backup performance that we're getting now just by applying a little bit of this, right? I'm going to show you how that process works, how to get your backups to that speed, or you know, as close as you can to that speed in the full tuning class that I hope will be next month if it doesn't conflict with the MVP summit. And that's all I have. I know it was a very ungraceful ending, right? You just expected me to like, like shoot off fireworks or something.